welcome to Tech Law Talks. I am Anthony Diana, a member of Reed Smith's Tech and Data Group. In each episode of this podcast, we will discuss cutting-edge issues on technology, data, and the law. We will provide practical observations on a wide variety of technology and data topics to give you quick and actionable tips to address the issues you are dealing with every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of our Reed Smith's Tech Law Talks podcast. In today's episode, we will discuss why every organization should roll out an employee AI policy. This is a policy that serves as a roadmap for employees, guiding them on how to interact with AI technologies in a way that aligns with the company's values, with laws, and also ethical standards. My name is Andy Splitgerber. I'm from the Reed Smith Tech and Data team in Germany. And I have with me today my partner, Cynthia O'Donoghue from our London office and my partner, Christian Leutner from our Frankfurt office. In one of our earlier episodes of this podcast, we discussed legal challenges in connection with the use of ChatGPT. We now see more and more employees use ChatGPT and also other AI tools when they do their jobs, when, for example, they hire new employees, when they serve customers, when they do research. Also, when they develop AI tools for their own use or for licensing AI to other companies. Of course, there are great opportunities, but there are also great risks. We see that employees often do not realize uh, that there are risks involved with their use of AI. For example, we had a recent case where an employee of a client uploaded 50 CVs from applicants to ChatGPT, asking ChatGPT which of these 50 applicants is probably the best person to win as an employee. This employee was not aware that this information is used also by the software for the training data and then kind of has a public character. So thinking of a data breach in this case, these are scenarios that happen in practice. Cynthia, First question, what is your favorite fail story with the use of AI technologies by employees? Well, funny enough, the one you just mentioned is one of my favorites. Um, <laughs> I think the, the second favorite is probably where somebody decided that they were going to write client advice based on the output that they received from chat GPT. And luckily, it was under the supervision of a partner who managed to, to find it. But I think the other link to that is the case we saw in New York where two lawyers presented uh, written briefs to the court based on an outcome from GPT, which made up case law. So even though that's an example of where it was done by senior people within the company, I think it shows the risks of what can go wrong because the court later sanctioned those lawyers for, for entering those briefs into court. And so I think that that's a salient lesson for anybody in an employee situation that obviously the work needs to be checked and needs to be verified. And, and ultimately, any employee that puts out a work product, their name is on it. They have to be able to stand behind it. They have to understand the accuracy of it. And and yes, ChatGPT can be a labor-saving device, but it could come back to bite you. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's very true and yeah, good example. Um, Christian, do you have also your favorite fail? So I read about an NGO publishing uh, a statement on war and uh, having an image of a war scene accompanied with an article. It later were made public that this was an AI-generated picture and it really didn't happen. Yeah, this, this is another example that definitely shows the need of an AI policy. It's something like we, we see with all new like technologies. We had this with social media. When employees started using social media for business purposes, we also said employees need to get a policy. They need to be trained how to use these tools. Now we're at the same um, step with AI. So the need in basically every organization to have an AI policy, tell the employees what they can do, what they cannot do, what they must not do. Cynthia, what, what in your view should be the main aspects in such an AI policy? I think the, the best thing to start with is the, the ethical issues. I mean, obviously at this point, we don't yet have laws. We have the draft law in the EU, which you know we can talk about. We've got a white paper here in the UK And obviously, you know, one of the risks that a company is going to want to guard against is the reputational one that Christian mentioned in relation to that NGO example he just gave. But obviously, the AI policy has to address a number of issues. I mean, data protection is a big one because the, these large language models are usually trained on information that's in the public domain. And so there could be risks in relation to data protection. I mean, obviously there was that risk that from that data breach you mentioned at the beginning where candidates for a job, their data was uploaded. And, and then that the large language models uses that to train on. And then there's, you know, risk management issues. So, you know, how can you verify the information? How do you know what it's trained on? Are you going to get you know, false outputs or what we call hallucinations from the AI, or are you going to get accurate material? What kind of risk does that create? You know, is there a reputational one for the company? Are there legal risks in relation to intellectual property or trade secrets? So, you know, just a few examples, um, but obviously a policy would help minimize the risks because you would address each of those topics. And then, of course, there's always accountability and, and liability in the, the case of an AI-related incident. You know, an AI policy can obviously lay out what is appropriate behavior um, for the company, what are the appropriate uses, and define the roles and responsibilities and potentially, you know, help to limit any liability or any exposure. And then, of course, you know, if, if a, an employee is using a large language model, you know, or AI to help in a, invent, you know, a product. I mean, normally inventions are the, the the product of an employee, but if you're relying on, you know, an open source software, is it then subject to those software licenses? And does it impact a company's ability to innovate? Then, of course, there's always the compliance with law issues. So, you know, what relevant laws and, and regulations? I've kind of mentioned IP, I've mentioned you know, data protection, but what else is there? If you're a company that's in a regulated industry, 
you know, do you have additional exposures? You know, if you're in the financial services, are there additional exposures through, you know, the, the laws that they're subject to and their financial regulators, like here in the UK, the FCA? You know, if you're in the life sciences, pharmaceuticals or medical devices, and you're using large uh, language models, you know, does that create additional risks, you know, for the company? And then, you know, there's always, as I mentioned, trade secrets. So part of the IP is not just the potential for copyright infringement, but there's also what other secrets that the company has and confidential information is somebody inadvertently uploading that information into a large language model to that ends up training AI, does that give certain competitors of the company an advantage because that is now public part of a public model? So, you know, I think that that, that gives an overview of some of the risks that, that should be addressed in a policy. But most importantly is the roles and responsibilities and when it's appropriate to use AI for a particular task and when it may not be appropriate. And then obviously what the consequences are for an employee that violates the policy. So well, how about you in Europe, Andy? What would your experience be in terms of the, the types of things that policies should address? That's uh, even after Brexit, same. <laughs> same uh, aspect, same uh, requirement to, to put this down in a policy, same risks. One item we struggle with when drafting an AI policy is the question around whether or not to allow or prohibit specific AI tools. So some clients prefer to have a list in the annex with AI tools that are permitted to be used. They even sometimes like IT-wise block other tools. Others are, other clients are open. They say, we want to be innovative. We, you know, there's new tools every day. We can't put this down in an inflexible policy that has to be then changed every month. So that's, that's an aspect I think where, where clients need guidance. I, I don't know what, what's your view on this, uh, Cynthia? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's, there's always a balance to be struck between a flexible policy that's living and one that requires uh, updating. But ultimately, you know, one of the policies we've done for a client embedded a governance process in it. So there were certain large language models that couldn't be used. And if somebody wanted to use it, they needed to get access and justify the business case for it. So that's some of the guardrails that I've talked about that can be used as opposed to just an outright ban. And obviously it's, it's a layered approach because some tools are available for use. Some tools are only available through this additional governance escalation and approval process. How about you, Christian? Fully agree. I, I think what's most important when it comes to um, AI is the security aspect. So it's not about certain tools be used or not, but if they can enable you to also implement the security. Because the AI Act states that the technical robustness is a key requirement of high-risk AI systems. And I think IT security is key to all kind of AI. And so if, if you're using certain tools, you always need to focus if they address risks like errors or incomplete data, unintended use, inconsistencies, if they provide for possibility to have access controls or to encrypt data and also to, to, to 
exclude or at least mitigate risks that comes from external factors um, like attempts to alter the AI's use or performance of or exploitation of security law, uh, flaws. That, that all has to be considered when thinking about excluding some use of AI or even allowing some. And so this has to be an, an ongoing assessment and monitoring of such tools. Thanks, Christian. Andy, what about ethics? The last policy did you that you used, do you, do you address AI ethics in it? Sure, AI ethics also is an important aspect um, that needs to be addressed in an AI policy because ethics, like in, in, in this broadest sense, is the, one of the core risks of AI. So we mentioned IT security, uh, we mentioned um, IP infringements, we mentioned disclosure of business secrets, and compliance with eth ethical rules is one of the major risks of using AI. And uh, we also see this from the draft of the European AI Act that um, a major aspect of this law is to protect human rights and to, to make sure users and AI systems comply with ethical rules. So this definitely is a very important aspect that needs to go in every AI policy. Same like adjacent to this training, not only we put in place an AI policy, but also employees must be trained on how to use AI and, you know, what's in the policy, tell them how they have to implement the policy and live that policy. Christian, so we're saying training and policy. What are the rules in Germany, for example, on how to make a policy binding on employees? So what do employers need to do? to make this a binding tool in their organization? So generally, policies can be rolled out by just publishing them and, and providing them to the employees. So employers generally have the right to give instructions how employees have to do their job and, and how to comply with their duties. Thus, generally, an AI policy can is simply rolled out like that and employees are bound by the employment duties to adhere to the AI policy. That's the general rule. So if there is a works council in place, which is quite common in Germany, the works council might have a co-determination right depending on the content of the AI policy. And so the works council has to be involved. Usually then a works agreement is concluded between the company and the works council to have some guardrails and the framework on the employer might do to enforce the AI policy. But that's it's it's not only the implementation. Once implemented, a company has to make sure that policy is monitored and adjusted to technical developments. And we have seen it in the last year how rapidly the developments on AI is going and so an AI policy is I think something that needs to be closely monitored and updated. Thanks Christian. Um, Cynthia is this in the same in the UK or any other aspects to consider? For the most part it's similar. I mean the UK we don't have works councils but employers can roll out policies and there's the same duty on employees to follow them. I mean, where you know a policy 
was to change the working conditions, then there's different rules. But generally, to roll out an ADA policy, it's, it wouldn't require any, let's say, additional requirements other than to publish it and ensure that all employees are informed. Um, we would have the same duty to, to monitor, to make sure that employees are actually complying with the policy and that the policy is understood. Going back to what you said about training, I think it would be important for any company that rolls out a policy to obviously have a training session on it for their employees, um, particularly if you know the AI policy is for the entire company. And maybe it's better to have specialized training if it turns out that it's only for a certain cohort of the employees. So, you know, I think that the two go hand in hand to to my mind that ultimately, you know, once a policy is rolled out, it's important that everyone reads it, understands it. And in some cases, you know, it's bolstered by the training, Um, especially since some employees may not be familiar with some of the issues that we've talked about. You know, they may not be disclosed, you know, uh, familiar with ethics policies, they may not consider some of the biases and outputs or, you know, unwitting outputs that result in discriminatory, you know, some sort of discrimination. So I think the two definitely go hand in hand. Yeah, you mentioned the monitoring of the compliance with the policy. I think that's that's a very interesting topic, probably one of our next podcasts. <laughs> That's something uh, very tricky, especially also with the German employment law rules. So I think that's it for today. Cynthia, what's the takeaway you want to convey to the audience today? I think the takeaway is, is important. AI is here to stay. You know, regulators are grappling with it. So I think companies need to take the initiative and they need to really think about implementing a policy on how best their employees can use AI and obviously how to limit the risks to them. That's my takeaway. Mm, Very good. Christian, yours? Have a plan and follow your plan. So I think uh, the discussion today just showed that there are certain topics to, to be tackled. And it's really important to create awareness for the risks that come with AI and to help employees to navigate through those risks. And always keep in mind that a good policy is one that is up to date. Very good. Thank you. And uh, the fits to mine, minus act now. <laughs> so with this, thank you very much. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you, Christian. Thanks, Andy. Thank you, Andy. This was today's episode of our Reed Smith Tech Law Talk podcast. We thank you for listening. Please leave feedback and comments in the comments field or send us an email. We hope to welcome you soon for our next episode. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Tech Law Talks is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's tech and data practice, please email techlawtalks at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and reedsmith.com. And our social media accounts at reedsmithllp on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. 
Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.